This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the finals. What's, <laughs> What's going on, everybody? How you doing? Oh, man. Oh, dude, it's been a day. Like, everything that I could do, work was just drawing forever. It was one of those eight-hour, actually 37-hour work days. And uh, I went to, I was trying to go to Speedway, trying to get those pizza stuffers we were talking about. Of course, like I told you in the car, guess what happened at 1030? They were all gone. Why would they be all gone, you under? Because they stopped making them at 930. So it was great. Uh, (laughs) That, like, that was the... Dude, it was the downhill of the day. Like after that, everything that could go wrong went wrong. I got home. I, I'm getting the BFS set up for tomorrow. I'm like, you know, I'm going to give it another chance. Getting that all tied up. Surprisingly, my uh, uh, uni knot went great. It's the first time it's ever happened on the first try. So that was awesome. And then I couldn't get my transducer on my transducer arm. And it took me like 45 minutes for uh, <laughs> just because of stupid locking nut. It's just been a day. So I'm really excited to just relax yeah and have some fun i know i you were getting a little frustrated before we started and then we started talking about kayaks and then you got all lit up and you're ready to go now so uh we got a cool episode planned guys we're gonna be talking jackson nar with jamison redding what's up up, dude (laughs) thank you guys for having me oh yeah yeah. of course so i i know you've been on a ton of other paddle and fin shows and stuff. And you've probably given introductions, but for somebody that doesn't listen to those other shows or anything, uh, can you give us a little background on you? Yeah. So I've been with Jackson kayak probably going on 10 years now um, over the last uh, 
what a year and a half. You may hear my kids in the background. They're getting put, put to bed. So sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I've been, been with Jackson for about 10 years on the team. Uh, I've done a little bit of everything. I wore a lot of hats. And uh, over the last couple of years, I uh, took the brand manager role over the fishing side of the business. So basically, it kind of entails a little bit of connecting the dots between R&D, the team, marketing and, and sales, just kind of helping head the direction of, of where we want to go with our fishing product and, and how we market it and who we work with. And um, so a lot of uh, a lot of good, cool things there to get to kind of be in the middle of it all um, and have my finger in a little bit of everything there. And uh, done a lot of the video work over the years with Jackson. Um, and this year I also am hosting a, a television show called The Road Trip Angler, which Jackson's mm. a big sponsor of and a few others. So, um, yeah, just uh, kayak fishing for a minute. So a lot of fun. I believe that's the show that Dan Perry, he went along with you for one episode, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. On that, it was actually another show that uh, host uh, um, Ken Whiting uh, hosts a show. I think it's called, uh, mm-hmm. he's got a paddle TV, I think is his YouTube channel, but I can't remember. Facing Waves, I think is the name of the television show. Um, and he was doing a piece on the NAR and, uh, and Dan came out and, and uh, that's helped cool. us find some some locations it's tough when you go to a new spot you guys know this and you've literally never been there before you've never been to that boat ramp or even fished that lake or whatever um so having somebody with some local knowledge to come out when you've got one day to try to make something happen for a for a youtube or a tv episode it's a it's a lot of pressure so having a little (laughs) local knowledge is definitely very. oh yeah i can definitely that's like been one of the most intimidating things because like I, me and Brad talk, be like, you know what, dude, we should start a YouTube channel and just go down the GMR and just fish <laughs> like we're fishing. But then you go out and you're like, oh yeah, it's going to be a great day. And then we catch like six, 10 inch fish. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I'm so glad, like I decided not to do this because this would be the worst. Like I'd just be sitting there the whole time. This is stupid. I'm so mad. And like, yeah. the, the thing is people, the- that that's what, I mean, people do that, right? Like they go out yeah. and they, oh, yeah, happens. you're not wrong. So I think again kids running everywhere up here but uh i think when you just own it you know like this is this is mm-hmm. what happened today you know we, we try to put a pattern together and then the day you do figure a pattern out and you get on some bigger fish you know it's a good learning experience that you can go back to and i think that's one of the cool things about being involved with all the video projects that we've done over the years is a lot of really cool memories that i actually can go back and look at and mm-hmm. and, and you know I don't forget a lot of my fish catches or my fish losses. Probably remember the fish losses more than the fish catches. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, but just having those moments that we can go back and look at, for the, whether it's photo or video over the past decade, has been really a cool mm-hmm. part of what I've been doing with Jackson and, and other brands. That's cool. Yeah. Man. I think uh, that that's awesome. It's it's and you're right. It's we were just out what two weeks ago, three weeks, no, two weeks ago. I don't remember. My brain sucks, but I was throwing a big swim bait on the river and I watched like the largest smallmouth on the river oh, I've ever yeah. seen in my life come out from underneath the log. Cool. Didn't even open its mouth and just head butted this, uh, tire, <laughs> tiny clash out of the water. And I was like, Oh, and I kept trying to fish for it. Brad came over and threw a Ned rig, hooked it. It broke off. Ugh. And like, if we would have recorded that as terrible as it was, cause I was really upset. <laughs> it would have been awesome to look back like I mean, yeah it was, it was yeah. pretty like the whole course of events he drops in the first time pulls out a rock bass i'm like dude i promise a rock bass didn't attack this tiny clash i swear and yeah. then he pulls up this monster small mouth and it jumps over a log and then you just see his line uh, and yeah. brad's arms just go straight down i'm like no 
I was well, I was surprised I even hooked into it. I wasn't expecting to, you know. It sounds like a spawning fish right there. It sounds like it came out to it probably chase was. you away and then ate something that was hanging out in the zone a little too long. Yep. Yeah, but, it was either that we saw a bunch of fry, so it could like that was weird about it. Like there was a ton of already uh already fry sitting there, so I was like, Man, that's a fry garter. No, that's a fry garter, that's the largest fry, fry garter I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like thing was ridiculous so that that happened to me on the new about three maybe two or three weeks ago we were fishing and i threw by a log up in a kind of a small eddy and same thing white chatterbait so i could see the bait right the whole time i watched this just giant smallie come out and just knock it sideways yeah you know it stopped chattering i'm just like how did you know and then i threw a cinco in there and uh i never could get her to eat i never saw her again but i knew she was hanging out in that same spot by the way she ate that but (laughs) that's funny man uh it's frustrating just uh yeah that's the word for it that's not the word i used i used (laughs) other words but that was a word for it (laughs) so let's get into the this jackson r man this is something you guys kind of like abruptly like boom hit the market with it and i was like holy crap where did this come from yeah well (laughs) it's good that we were able to keep the secret as long as we were we 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 have a good team and uh, a lot of dealers were kind of in the know um, but I will say, you know, the boat was supposed to launch in a normal like launch window, which usually you launch your boats in the fall or mm-hmm. late summer because that's like ICAST and a lot of the trade shows happen. And it's when the new model years come out. But uh, like I was telling you guys before we kind of went live here, this has been a, a work of passion for a lot of us. I mean, when I say that there was a lot of ups and downs and a lot of like, you know, almost pulled my beard out a couple of times, I think. But uh it just took longer um to get it right and and we're still dialing it in we're still getting it right um and we will continue to do that i'm sure for the next several years uh figuring out ways to make it better and um everything but yeah we worked on that boat for two years um and it's really unique for us at jackson i'll kind of share a little background of how we came to it uh we knew for one that we wanted to simplify our pedal drive system across the board Um, And that if we were going to come out with a new pedal drive boat, that really had to be kind of the first and foremost thing that we concentrated on. And so that's where the Flex Drive Mark IV came from. Um, We started working with some uh, people in the biking industry, some engineers from the biking industry that basically just told us, you know, hey, this technology exists and you don't need to rethink it. Um, And so that's where we came up with the belt drive. Uh, and worked with some engineers there to do that. So that was kind of a, a sidebar. And it was this huge undertaking all by itself, right? We've got people testing it all over, um, putting hours and hours on it, hiding it from the public. Uh, prototypes, you know, I think we had six or eight prototypes. And then we did a bunch of pre-production ones and tested them and had them in saltwater, had them in Panama, had them in, you know, uh, up in Pennsylvania and Tennessee and Texas. I mean, just all over getting tested. So how the word didn't get out about that alone was pretty impressive. It, I was going to say, uh, you probably know Jason Ricketts. He he was our uh, shop manager of the mm-hmm. shop me and Matt's affiliated with. And he never said one word about you guys testing. Yeah, there was a lot of NDA sign. So. It's like, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, so yeah it mean, was, it, it, that, that was a big part of it. And, and the other thing was we knew that if we were going to be able to do that at the same time, we wanted to work on a new boat that really kind of answered to what kayak fishermen are doing these days, especially guys that are tournament anglers that are getting on bigger water, bigger lakes, um, bigger rivers or whatever. 
but also uh, have a better option for people that want, you know, a fully rigged out boat to go offshore. Um, they can handle the things that people are putting on their boats. Like 10 years ago, no one was putting dual 10 inch and 12 inch screens on their kayaks. You know, that just wasn't a thing. Um, and that's what people are doing now. We didn't have motors. Uh, and if we did, they were a lot smaller than what we have now. Um, so just trying to really look at all that. So one of the things we did that we've never done before again was we put a team of guys together from our team. We have a pretty extensive uh, team of anglers. Uh, I think we have over a hundred um, kayak fishermen on our, on our Jackson fishing team. And we have a lot of really good um, tournament guys. We have a lot of good mm -hmm. offshore guys that have been doing it for years. And so we just kind of put them all together in a think tank and like, what do you want in a boat? And then we tried to deliver as many of those things as, as they wanted. Um, and it was a lot of work. I mean, we had never done some of the things uh, that we did before, you know, making it where you could put a motor on the bow or the stern, quickly rig it, having uh, this, when we came out with the tri-track idea, it was initially intended to be like two foot sections. And, you know, we're like, mm. well, let's make it five feet long and bend it. <laughs> you know, so mm -hmm. uh, there is a lot of stuff there. And then working uh, to get um, with the Yak Attack to be able to, have the top loading geometry in that tri-track. So there was a lot of moving parts and pieces. And um, I think it was something like 12 new um, injection molds had to be made for, for just the steering components for the, the multi-box, the little tackle box that you can hang off the tri-track, um, all the rod stagers and stuff like that. So it was, it was the biggest undertaking that we've ever done as a brand, as far as uh, developing a kayak for sure. Very cool. I kind of want to start with the drive a little bit though. Um, mm -hmm. You guys completely redid the drive. I'm I'm guessing because this is what everybody else does. You designed the drive before you designed the actual kayak, right? So it was kind of going on at the same time. We we knew we when we started looking at the redesign of the drive, we've always been very proud of the fact that our drive is you can hit stuff. You know, mm -hmm. it, it kicks up and it tucks away, and it's not in the way of the floor when you, when you pull the drive out. You're not having to have it. You know. Uh, take up a lot of space mm -hmm. in the cockpit of the kayak. Uh, mm -hmm. So we knew we didn't want to lose that functionality. And so we knew that part wasn't going to, as far as the geometry of the lower unit, even though we made uh, changes to the inside workings of the lower part of the drive, we knew the geometry was going to be the same. So we were able to kind of start working on the boat at the same time that we were working on the drive. Okay. That's cool. Well, go ahead, Matt. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, so, so you basically, unlike what, you know, how Brad was saying, you know, how most people, you build a drive and then you build the kayak, you pretty much made them in conjunction together so they'll work 
better together. Instead of making two products, you made one half of each or one half of the full product. Yeah, I mean, and, awesome. and for us, we had the big rig FD, we've had the mm-hmm. Bide FD and the Kusa mm-hmm. FD. So we had three, um, you know, uh, pedal driven uh, kayaks. And if you look at even th- those whole shapes, uh, we learned a lot um, on how to make the boat more efficient with a drive versus a paddle kayak. When I mean, obviously Jackson's background is paddle kayaks. Um, so we've always understood how to make a good paddling kayak, but it's different when you're trying to make a, a good pedaling kayak that they just, they're not the same. The, the way that you paddle, you know, your propul or your propulsion is off to one side than the other. So you want a boat that tracks really well so that it kind of fights that walk the dog um, back mm-hmm. and forth where you lose a lot of your efficiency when you, when you're doing a paddle stroke, when you drive straight underneath the boat, you don't have any of that. So if you design a whole um, for paddling, a lot of times what happens, you got a kill line that goes all the way kind of the length of the boat to keep it mm-hmm. tracking straight. But if yep. you do that on a pedal kayak, anytime you lean one way or the other, the boat's going to want to turn. Uh, so we kind of made a lot of adjustments uh, to the whole shapes as, as we progressed. So we really felt like we could nail our, our team. I didn't have anything to do with the whole shape. We have a great um, hand shape. Uh, Tony, Lee literally hand shapes uh, our holes, which is kind of unique to us. There's not a lot of companies out there, or a lot of people out there that still, you know, manipulate a boat uh, by hand and, and don't use CAD at all. Um, we're starting to dabble in CAD some now, but we, uh, up until this point, no boat we've ever come out with was designed really um, fully in CAD. Um, so it was all hand shaped. Uh, so he's been doing this for a long time and really understood. And that was where it kind of started was, what do we want the hole to be able to handle? And that was mm-hmm. bigger water. If you're out on a lake and you're trying to cover some distance, you want to be fast. But if waves kick up, if wind kicks up, you don't want to be sitting there soaking wet, just taking waves over the bow. You want to be able to handle it. And uh, mm-hmm. so that was a big part of it. And then kind of, like I said, we incorporating what we learned uh, from the other pedal driven boats that we've made. And then you kind of have that like footprint of what that lower unit's going to look like. So we, we could start kicking that can pretty far down the road while we were working on the new drive at the same time. That's nice. Otherwise yeah. it probably would have taken a little bit longer to c- complete the whole process. Yeah, it would have been, uh, <laughs> it, it still took a lot longer than it should have. I'll say we, the boat should have been out in probably January uh, or at one point we, we thought it would be out uh, in, in late fall. Then it was January. Mm. Then it was February. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's why it kind of came out of nowhere um, because it was like, you know, all right, it's finally ready. Let's let's launch this thing. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. The uh, the drive. So, what exactly is different from the new drive or the old drive and the new drive? Yeah, so our old drive used uh, spiral bevel gears, which are very similar to what you might find in a transmission on a car. Um, the very precise gearing, uh, mm-hmm. and it used grease to keep those lubricated. And there was basically two sets of gears. Um, so you had the uh, upper part right where your uh, crank arms were, and then it. Uh, another set down where it would go uh, uh, turn for going into the hole of the boat for the lower part of the drive shaft. Uh, we eliminated by going to the new drive and going to a belt drive system, we were able to eliminate half, half that equation. So we still have spiral bevel gears, but they're now able to be in a sealed cartridge. Mm. So they're in an oil bath, which is the way they're really designed uh, to be. They should be in an oil, not with grease. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's completely sealed, which makes it more maintenance free. There's no grease that needs to be added like there was in our old system. 
And the belt part of it is a, is a Gates belt. It's a known technology that's been around in the biking industry forever. And it's designed around off the shelf bike parts. Um, so we didn't reinvent anything. Now we did develop our own crank arms, but they're literally made uh, to off a pat pattern by off the shelf um, crank arms and that kind of thing. So it just, it, it made it more efficient. It made it a lot quieter, um, a lot smoother and a lot quieter. So it just felt like even in your feet, you can just feel a difference. Um, and it's main, it's virtually maintenance free. There's, I mean, other than rinsing it off, uh, you know, when you get out of the uh, salt water or something, um, it's, you really don't need to do anything um, to it. So like before you had to put uh, grease in it and it might it can get hot, just things, you know, if any little tolerances were off, uh, it can make it feel a little less smooth and uh, all that's kind of gone now. That's and, good. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a big difference. And it also, uh, because of the increased efficiency, uh, we were actually able to go up uh, in, in a, a pitch on the prop. So it's a more aggressive prop now. Uh, which is also part of why the boats, all of our boats across the line are actually faster because of the new drive. Okay. That yeah. drive's interchangeable then? So you can change out, um, because it's less gearing the and there's more torque on it, we actually wrote, uh, flipped the way the, the lower, the drive shaft and the lower is uh, spun. Mm -hmm. So those flexible, if you ever use like a, 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 one of those drill bits that, you know, you can go around a corner with, it's the same yeah. idea or a weed eater. Um, yeah. Same idea. It's a that flexible shaft, but they're spun a certain way, uh, designed for what whatever rotation you're primarily doing. So uh, the prop actually spins backwards or reverse of what it used to counterclockwise now because we eliminated half the gears. Uh, so it's not going through that change that it went through in the gear process, making it spin the other way. So we mm -hmm. actually increase the diameter of that lower drive shaft and flip the direction of, that it's spun and have a reversed pitch prop. So sure. in order to, it is reverse compatible in the sense that if you get a new upper and lower, um, it would fit into an, an older existing uh, flex drive kayak because the That's bolt pattern is the same. So, but it is both. You do need the upper and lower to make it work. Yeah. L less moving parts and probably a lot quicker. It is a lot quicker. Um, we're seeing just at a, a really... Uh, comfortable cadence, uh, about a half mile per hour increase on some of our models um, at the same cadence when we tested them side by side. So sweet. Oh, that's, that's definitely, that's awesome. And you, I know the big thing when it first came out, you know, I, like everyone else in the world, it, like Brad said, it just came out of nowhere. I think he's the one who texted me. He's like, dude, the NAR came out. And I was like, what's the NAR? And he was like, <laughs> I was, he's like, oh, he sent me the link. And I went on there. And I was looking. And I was like, well, this is like just, if it was a snake, I'd be dead. And uh, I was looking. I know stealth is something like huge. You guys are on this. It's a much quieter drive, which a lot of people, especially your tournament anglers, will understand it the joy of having a kayak is a, you can get into spots. Other people can't yeah. but B you can get into them a lot quieter. Yeah. So having a quiet drive, I mean, I've been in pedal kayaks where I'll pull the pedals up and, you know, or even my motor, I have an XI three on the front of my kayak and I'll pull my XI three up. If I'm going in somewhere, it's super still quiet and I'll just yeah. barely lap at the water just to push myself along so I can make casts. So like how much, uh, compared to the older drive, I'm sure you guys did some testing. What, what kind of how much quieter is it or is it quantifiable i mean i'm sure well, it's definitely right. quantifiable i don't know that we've actually measured it and i think one of the things with the old drive is that uh you would get some some drives that would be super quiet and then others 
wouldn't be. And you never really knew it was, uh, what, why. I mean, a lot of it, like I said, to do with the type of gearing is very precise. Mm-hmm. And if it was dialed in perfect, it was all, it would be perfect. Um, but, and the fact that if it didn't have the same amount of grease in it or whatever, um, with this one being in an oil bath, it's controlled, right? It's not a matter of you like putting grease in it, trying to figure out how much grease you should put in or, you know, did it, did it work itself in over time and get louder over time or did it work itself in and get quieter over time? Uh, it's just yeah. quiet right out of the gate. Like there's no, um, real break in period. So it's definitely noticeable. Like, I mean, I don't want to say night and day, but it can be in some situations, but I think it's not only is it quieter, but you also just don't feel it as much uh, mm-hmm. in your feet and it's a lot smoother feeling. So it just kind of all works together to where you, you really start to notice the the whole shape, which is, you know, getting to the NAR design. It's like, if we're going to have a quiet drive, then this hole is going to also be very, very quiet because you're now going to notice any water, you know, slapping the hole and vice versa. So That's true. But Jackson's hull design has always been real nice. Like that, that front end of the boat has always been like that real nice curvature to where you don't really have ever have to worry about the water slapping it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely been a, a thing. Like I said, we we're kind of, we have that ACE in the hole when it comes to hole shapes, we've got mm-hmm. uh, a, a guy that's been shaping, uh, started out shaping surfboards, um, you know, years and years ago has been shaping kayaks for, over 20 years, maybe 30 years. I don't remember exactly how long, but, uh, and, and has shaped boats for both us and, and other brands before us. And so it's a, it's almost a lost art. There's not a lot of people doing it anymore. So I'm kind of, we're starting to work with, um, some new ways of using CAD and whatnot. And, uh, and also combining his knowledge of being able to hand shape and bring those together so that we don't lose that, um, you know, that art that he's perfected over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you if you've never, there's some videos and I went down the YouTube rabbit hole like years ago and I actually watched a, there's an old video of a guy shaping a surfboard and it's, it, you can tell how, a, how meticulous it looks and how slow, but how precise. And like you said, it's an art. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like these guys who were doing that, those shaping those surfboards. And I can only imagine, I was literally going to say, you know, kind of explain since you've got a firsthand look at it, explain what goes into like the shaping of the boat, because I didn't know they were hand shaped. That's awesome to me. Yeah. Like you're just taking an extra little bit of time. So it was, yeah, it's uh so you, you start out with, and if you have boats that you're happy with, let's say uh, that you've done before, you can kind of start there. And that's kind of what happened with the NAR. We, we worked off, uh, uh, started with a, a hole shape um, that we already had. And then, really changed it a lot, but it gives you a starting point. But basically uh, you start with a block of foam, if you will, or, or you add foam to an existing block of foam or, or whatever, but you start with this block um, and you just start, you know, drawing lines and, and shaving it down. And I'm, I'm dumbing this way down. And Tony, if he hears this, will probably be like, what are you talking about? Um, Cause I have, I, I've stood over his shoulder and watched him, but that's the extent of it. And, um, you know, he's out there with strips of wood and, and looking at how they bend and how it curves. And then they'll take, you know, get it to a certain point and then try to figure out where the water line is going to be and that kind of thing. And just, and keep progressing it. Uh, when it comes to the, the bottom part of the, what we call the parting line down, um, it's just a lot of feel for him, uh, knowing what we want the boat to do. Uh, for example, this boat has 
we call rocker. And that just means mm -hmm. that you've got a little bit of lift on the bow and the stern. If you set it flat on the ground, you're going to see that there's some shape to it. And the reason for that uh, specifically is in bigger water where you're going to have some, some waves uh, being able to go up and over those waves instead of trying to pierce through them, where if you've got mm -hmm. a real flat uh, boat, it's going to want to pierce the waves, take a bunch of water over the top and, and it's going to make it <laughs> a lot less stable yeah. um, for that secondary stability, which is what you want when you're going to be in, in rougher water. Uh, it, and so knowing that and, and watching him do it and the fact that it's still symmetrical is what blows my mind because he's he's doing it all kind of one side and and then mimicking that to get the other side and so it's a lot of fiberglass work uh or you know putting uh compound on and then shaving it down if he's got it too small he can add material back and shave it down uh and it just a lot of a lot of hand shaping going on um so hmm. it's just it's really impressive because uh now oh, yeah for sure for modern day, what, what a lot of companies do and what we're starting to do a little bit of is you develop a, a design in CAD and then you would have a giant CNC machine basically cut out um, that shape out of a block of foam. But even if we do that, we still have the opportunity to go back to him and he can kind of put those finishing touches on it and uh, make sure it's what we want, um, you know, at, for the end game. But it takes time. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of uh looking at everything and how it lays out and then going back and, and checking it and seeing if it's doing what you want it to do. See if it's sitting right in the water and prototyping and making sure that, you know, it can handle the weight and stuff that we're throwing at it. That's yeah. Cool. It really reminds me of those, like back in like uh, ancient Greece and ancient Rome, when people would take giant blocks, like the only the thing I'm thinking about the whole time you're explaining this is seeing some dude take a giant block of stone and then he <laughs> makes it into a, a sculpture. Cause it's the same thing. Like you're taking yeah. a, a base block and then he's going through meticulously cutting that down. And he's probably like those guys where he's like, he's looking at, he could look at a block of foam and be like, there's a boat in there. <laughs> like, that's just like, that's, that's, I remember it was, it was something on history channel or something I was watching. It was a reenactment of like a famous artist. I don't remember, but he was looking at it and he said, there's a sculpture in that block of rock. And yeah. I was like, okay, I'm sure he didn't say that, but no, he probably did. Like, and just like, he probably <laughs> says, he looks at foam and he's like, there's a boat in there that here. He looks at it and say, that's the NAR. That's yeah, it's definitely and a vision, and, and, it, and he kind of breaks it down, you know, one section at a time. But it just blows my mind. Like, I don't oh, yeah. how we're able to take our ideas and what we come up with in a in a chat uh, with, with a bunch of team guys. Uh, and then I'd try to draw the like my six-year-old can draw better than me, you know. And I try to draw out the deck layout of this boat and really nothing to do with the whole because I'm not even going to attempt that. Just – this is what we want it to do. This is an ideal length, ideal width. We'd like it to be in this weight range. Um, and, and we want it to do these things. And then he takes all that and kind of computes it into what you see there as a whole shape. And then we kind of work off that and get our, our deck layout of, of where we want everything, you know, where we want track, where we want uh, the rod storage to be, the hatches to be, that kind of thing. So let's talk about the specs for a little bit. Uh what made you guys decide on a 13 foot nine inch kayak? You know, a lot of that just happened as far as uh, what all we wanted to fit in it. And I, I will say that, um, you know, obviously you've got uh, other brands in the industry and uh, you look at kind of what they're doing and, and where they're competing at. And there's always kind of been this uh, 10 foot, 12 foot, 14 foot uh, kind of range of, of boats. Uh, and when you think about big water or you think about just, 
you know, being a rigged out boat, like 14 foot is that bigger, usually that bigger category. Now we built boats mm -hmm. over 15 feet when you're talking about like a true paddling um, touring kayak or, or a kayak that you're going to take and paddle, the longer it is, mm -hmm. the faster it's going to be because it's going to track straighter um, for the most part. And so that's kind of where we came to. We knew we wanted it to be, you know, able to put all this stuff in it that we wanted on it. And it just like to have that room, the kind of, kind of grew to that size. Um, but again, also just to, to put it up in, in a category and that, and that size category where you can compete against, you know, the Titans, the Hobie pro anglers, mm -hmm. um, and really stack up against, uh, uh, boats that I would say are in that, that realm or whatever, that fully decked out tournament, um, flagship level, I would call almost professional, you know, kayak fishing grade mm -hmm. boat, you know? No, I, I agree with that. And yeah, for sure. Um, sorry, Matt, I, th I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> No, I mean, I can. Yeah, for sure. I can add to that. Uh, no, I, I agree. When you look at like, it's how I, even when I was, I was in a, a 10 foot kayak two years ago, just fishing rivers and I would take it on bigger lakes and hate my life and whatnot. But um, you look at the, like you said, the Hobies, the Titans, the Gnar, you think 14 foot, I, the automatically what I think I was like, well, this is, a, it's a tournament rig or it's, yeah. it's a rig that it's going to be. Lake, you're Lake gonna, Erie. Yeah. You're going to see it's a big water rig. And what's it's awesome about it, kind of like what you already said, you know, it's it's 14 foot, but it tracks great because it's a little bit longer, but the drive mm -hmm. is quieter and it can, you know, it's it's a it's not just that big rig boat like you can use this for other aspects. Which is Yeah, cool. and I would really encourage people, you know, I, I'm sitting here, Jackson Kayak, obviously I'm proud of this boat. This has uh, <laughs> been a part of. You know, I, when I took the role, this is kind of the first boat that I've seen from start to finish as brand manager. So I'm very proud of our team and, and everybody that came together for this boat. And I'm a little partial. However, mm -hmm. um, I did compare it to a lot of other models. And we actually got out on the water in a lot of other models. And I would say that um, anybody that gets a chance to demo this, whether it's borrowing one from one of the team members that has one already or one of the shops that's been lucky enough to, to receive some, um, go demo it because this boat will surprise you how fast it is. It is a very fast drive, um, but it's actually out of all of our models. It's one of our fastest uh, models. In fact, I think it is the fastest I'm averaging around three and a half to three, seven at a very comfortable, just mm -hmm. cadence, um, which is, is scooting. And um, a lot of that has to do with that hole shape and the way it cuts through the water. And that was a big ask. You know, we wanted, you know, tournament guys want to be there out there fast. Same with yep. offshore. You're trying to go three, four miles offshore to hit a wreck or troll. Um, you don't want to spend all day getting there. You want to get there and do your thing. And you want to mm -hmm. be able to do it and not be tired once you get there. Um, Cause you got to come back. And uh, so that was a big thing is it is a bigger boat and it is fully riggable, but on the water, it doesn't feel uh, like you're, you know, turning this giant barge or, mm -hmm. or pushing this big barge through the water it really does uh it turns very efficiently and it's it's a very fast boat uh how how does uh the thing paddle like if you have to pull the drive up yeah so that was another thing and it's hard like i said before it's kind of hard to you know nail one right in the middle right you're either going to have mm -hmm. a great pedaling boat or you're going to have a great paddling kite um but surprisingly it's our, I would say it's it's our most efficient paddling pedal drive. The bite may be a little more or a little easier because it's lighter and smaller and nimble, but 
Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like once you get this thing up and moving, it's it's really not bad. And uh, on Gunnersville, um, you guys mentioned that. I don't know if we were live yet when you were t- you were talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of water to cover that was really shallow, a lot of grass to get to some spots that we were going to fish. Um, and so I ended up paddling the thing for several miles um, by the time we went there and back. And, you know, I didn't hate it uh, at all. Like mm-hmm. it, it did what it was supposed to do. Now, if, if I was looking for a good paddling kayak, we have a lot better options <laughs> for a good <laughs> paddling kayak. But, um, you know, somebody asked me the other day about, you know, do you really need a paddle on a pedal kayak? And it's like, you, mm-hmm. yeah, you do, because you can't always use your pedal drive. And it, uh, if you're going to stand up or whatever, there's a lot of reasons that, you know, you still need a good paddle. And um, so, yeah, I'm happy to say that I think, you know, it paddles pretty well um, considering and, and for its size, I would even, again, partial, I'd say test it yourself. Um, mm-hmm. But for its size and category, I would put it up there as, as the best paddling uh, big kayak on the market right now. Um, again, I don't know if you, you saw a lot of it. I mean, it's just, it looks yeah. fast. Yeah, I don't know if you saw uh, Chad Hoover's video or not, but he did. Actually... Yeah, he called me uh, when he was going to go uh, hook up with Richard and mm-hmm. and get a chance to get in that boat. So it was interesting to see his take on it. Yeah, he actually paddled it, and I'm like, doesn't look like he's actually straining that much. That's pretty. That's pretty cool for a big boat. It's not hard, and the nice thing about having that track throughout uh, for me. It makes it really easy the way I've kind of left a little mm-hmm. bit of slack in my electronics and mm-hmm. things that I have mounted. So I can just quickly loosen the thumb screw and slide everything um, kind of out of my paddle stroke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that keeps it, makes it easy uh, to be able to break that paddle out when you need to. Yeah. That, so that tri track, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause that's pretty yeah, cool. I was, I was literally yeah, getting was, ready to that say that a, a big part of, this boat, we, we launched it on the take two, which is more in our wreck line. However, mm-hmm. um, that boat is a very fishable boat and I'm seeing a lot more people rig that boat up with, you know, trolling motors and tor- I've got a Torquedo on mine and I fish it solo. It's a tandem boat, but we launched the tri-track on that. And kind of immediately, I think everyone on the team, uh, myself included, were like, you know what, it'd be really cool if we had like 12 feet of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, and we That's wanted awesome. it to, to, to look the part and really fit and finish wise. So uh, it was a big, uh, I don't want to say battle, but it was kind of a fun few days where it was us going back and forth with R and D like, no, no, we want to bend it. And we want like, you know, each section to be three and a half, four feet long. Like, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> so, we're not even sure you can do that. And I'm like, oh, we think you can do it. Uh, yeah, so, figure it out. It's going to yeah, happen. It was, uh, I think at one point I actually took a piece of track over to a rack and and bent it at the R&D department and like made sure the T-bolts would still go in and slide, you know. And That's a good point. Um, it was because uh, we were bending track. If you think about it, we were bending it on two, on two different uh, vertical and mm-hmm. uh, horizontal or whatever because it's got track on all three sides. So you kind of had to make sure that it was still going to do what it was supposed to do yeah. uh, and that you could slide a T-bolt in and you could use top-loading uh, geometry. So, yeah, that's you... uh, what uh, – sorry, Brad. Uh, that's what – when I saw the, the T-track, I was like, you know, does stuff still move? And how you just said, when I want to start paddling, I can just unloosen and slide it up. That's what's awesome to me because it, yeah. it not only lets you do whatever rigging you want, it lets you do whatever rigging on the fly that you need. So if you need to push something up, you just push it up and it follows that track flawlessly, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. 
the the big thing about it was I know there's other you know again there's people out there that have competing similarities or whatever but i've always thought you know if you have to go buy a bunch of adapters to make things you already have work uh then it doesn't really make sense you know we, we all know yak mm-hmm. attack and, and some of the other brands like yeah gadget and stuff and ram or scotty whoever they all make something that works in this particular type of track mm-hmm. um and so the thought of having to go out and buy like another part or piece uh, to make that work didn't make sense, you know. So it, we thought if you can put this anywhere without having to take something you've already mounted off. Uh, so being able to use that top loading geometry from Yak Attack was awesome. And then, um, you know, just being able to make it kind of infinite. Like you, you've got full range of adjustment in the cockpit area and full range of adjustment from your hip all the way through the tank well. Uh, so you really can dial it in even even after you're on the water you don't have to worry about like losing something because you don't have to take it all the way off the boat to move it to another location Mm -hmm. so is this a a tri-track is this something you guys kind of took the idea from the u-pick a little bit uh sort of kind of and i would say that the u-pick was definitely like the direction of let's let's make a a very versatile Mm -hmm. simple yet riggle easily rigged platform uh, so definitely the U-Pick was kind of that first step in that direction of just giving you that blank slate uh, and allowing you to kind of make it your own, but do it really easy. So you didn't mm. have to drill holes or add track here or there or whatever. Um, so it was definitely the first step. And honestly, like if you look at what's called 80-20, which a lot of guys will build like CNC router or use uh, in, in woodworking and stuff, it's mm-hmm. that's where it came from because we were working on a 3D printer that used this 8020 uh metal which you know is kind of an erector set for adults i guess um and it's got <laughs> it's got t-tracks on four sides uh so that's kind of where uh our r&d department was like well, why wouldn't we just do this on a boat but make sure it's the right t um to be able to handle that uh t-bolts and stuff that people use and so that's kind of where it started um mm-hmm. again very simple it's not we didn't reinvent the wheel because that 8020 stuff's out there Mm-hmm. but no one put it on a kayak yet so, so it's, yeah you know like let's make it easy let's make it you know fully riggable and um and i think we accomplished it and a lot of it too had to do with our seat system i know we kind of hadn't got to that yet but up until this point based on our our old seat designs and how we managed high low and 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 uh being able to trim forward and aft we were kind of stuck to our gunnels uh, being the same width as our seat because we needed that uh, the boat to be part of the support that held the seat up. And, mm-hmm. and um, so once we were able to kind of come up with a self-supporting seat uh, to be able to go high and low, that allowed us to open those gunnel or open that cockpit area up and go to a thin gunnel. So moving away from like the big rig, which had these big troughs on the outside of the boat on both sides, we now could use all that space, bring it inside the boat. And this boat is actually not as wide as the big rig, but it feels like you have tons more room mm-hmm. uh, because the cockpit area is all completely mm-hmm. used. You're not wasting any space with, uh, you know, having to have those gunnels in tighter. So that's that the first thing deal. that I thought of when I saw it too. I, I was like, that looks a lot wider than the big rig. I'm kind of surprised that it's not. That's crazy. Yeah. We were able to, you know, shrink it a little bit. Uh, like I said, but you actually have way more uh, usable space than you did on the big rig because you, you sacrificed some of that just yeah. for structure um, and how our seat system had to be. So, yeah, that, that's that's big to me because I love yeah. having my rods horizontal on the sides. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, and you could do it, like I said, on the big rig, but again, it was outside the boat, right? So like, it just it was different. And uh, yeah, putting it inside, we were able to go to a little bit taller gunnel too. Uh, by bringing them in, you can still get your paddle stroke like you need to. Um, but that's going to keep you drier, keep your gear drier. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot a lot of things uh, that happened again at the same time. The drive we developed that high low seat system that went across the board, kind of in all of our models. Um, and uh, by doing that, it allowed us to really accomplish what we wanted to on this boat. Very cool. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You want to go into the seat a little bit? Talk talk a little bit about it because I think yeah, it's still pretty it's, simple. And and yeah. I, I kind of alluded to this a little bit. But, you know, we're always looking at ways to improve, and I think that we definitely. I would love to spend a lot of time now that we've got, you know, a really good platform and, and dial in things like the seat over the, over the next couple of years. And, um, but one of the really cool features about this seat is, is how easy we've, we've always had high low. That was one of the things we launched with the mm-hmm. very first fishing kayak, the Kusa. Um, and so it's been a big deal. Then we kind of added trimmable seating, which you have to have, if you're going to have a pedal drive and you, you mm-hmm. need to adjust for your leg length. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, being able to kind of make that independent from the boat was where we were going with this. And we call it the easy high, low seat, easy high, low seat slider system. It's a lot to say, Um, but it it allows the whole system kind of to be independent from the boat. It it mounts to the two tracks um, on each side there. It gives you the forward and aft adjustment, um, but there's no pins anymore. Like our older high low seat systems, you had to put a pin in when you put it in the low, you had to put a pin in when you put it in the high. Uh, so our R&D team really killed it with this, where you just kind of lift your weight off the seat and grab the front of the seat and it'll slide kind of up and down. And I think I put a couple of videos out just kind of joking about how uh, how easy it really is. It's like harder to say easy high low seat slider system than it is to actually like raise the seat up and down. Um, so, again, just trying to keep it simple, make it easy to, to go into that high low uh, position. Um, but again, that allowed us to have it self-supported, which, you know, allowed us to really open up those, uh, that cockpit area and have the ability to store rods down the side. Um, and that was a big ask for this boat from the team was being able to bring some rods inside the boat and not have them hanging out outside in in the troughs like it does on the big rig. Yep. Yeah. I, I like that feature a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, the stuff that you, uh, sorry, I was a little zoning out. I'm actually looking at it on, I'm looking at the same page Brad is just looking at all yeah. the different features. <laughs> and, uh, and I keep like going back to it and looking at something. And I was like, Oh, that caught my eye. I never noticed that before. Like at the, at the front, um, you have those tie downs that are integrated in the hull. Right. Like that, like that little feature alone, those right there, right where Brad's showing right now. That's, I mean, that's awesome. It's just little stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of little things like that that don't jump right out at you. Um, those little, they're aluminum tubes. They're very stout uh, security bars there. And, and that's if you want to strap some extra gear, you are going on a longer trip or you want to throw a dry bag up there or, you know, potentially a fish bag in the future. Uh, if somebody wants to come out with one of those, um, yeah. you'd have a really easy way to attach that uh, to the boat and uh, and not have to think about it. And so, you know, the little things like that and then, we, we had the extra space and then this is credit to, this was actually not in the original drawing, but right behind the wall there between the two sets of rod tubes, that little space was just going to kind of be a, I guess, free, free space really. Um, and our, 
a boat shaper. Tony was able to like go in there and go, okay, well you could fit a, you know, let's give this some geometry to be able to set a, you know, 27 group battery. If you're running a mm. motor off the stern to offset that weight or put a cooler bag or, or put a tackle bag there um, and uh, put some more security tie downs there. Uh, I see a lot of people. And I think I told you guys, you said you're running a motor, a motor guide as well. I'm installing the new saltwater XI three literally before we started this on the bow of the NAR. And it, there's a lot of ways to do that, but most people are using the quick release kind of plate. And so it's just like, why not just have a flat place uh, on the boat right, right up front where if you're going to do that, it's easy. You don't need a, an adapter plate or go buy, you know, something again from someone else. You can just through bolt that uh, plate. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you want to back it, I actually took a piece of starboard from a cutting board I had laying around and I just cut me a quick backing plate. And I know a couple companies are already working on backing plates, but um, just for the added security, when we first tested it, all we did was put some big fender washers on the back of it and we didn't have any issues, but uh, you know, if you want to throw a backing plate on there, you can access it through both that. And it's just really quick and easy way to install a bow mount trolling motor on there. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I know everybody's doing like bolt patterns on the front, but yours is just completely flat. I, I did not well, realize the, that until you said the bolt that. pattern. Like, for example, it's become very popular. And um, mm -hmm. it's funny because I think our big rig was one of the, I think it was the first kayak to actually have the power pole bolt pattern in the boat. Hobie the same year came out with a, a bracket uh, that would adapt. So uh, they were very forward thinking as well, but we just happened to be working on our big rig when we found out power pole was going to be a thing. Um, so we were able to kind of partner with them and the year they released their power pole micro was the year we released the big rig and it just worked out that we had those uh, inserts. Uh, and now it's become such a big thing with uh, motor mounts like Torquedo and others that are kind mm -hmm. of piggybacking off of that, geometry mm -hmm. that a lot of uh, kayak companies have incorporated into the back of the boat. The thing is though, the, the quick release plates that you get from like motor guide or Minn Kota or whoever are not that bolt pattern. So that bolt pattern will allow you to mount an adapter and then you can mount that. But I'm just like, yeah, you can reach it. And I think most mm -hmm. people at this point in time are kind of used to drilling a hole or two in their boat. It's a little intimidating. Yeah. You, know, you want to make sure you get in the right place. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think it just, it makes it easy and, and you don't have to, again, buy an aftermarket part to be able to yeah. adapt um, something up there. Yeah, those plates aren't cheap. <laughs> oh, no. No, I mean, the, the plate on the front of my boat was, I want to say... Like 120 you know, bucks or something. Yeah, yeah you're already like in like nine dollars just for the adapter from Motor Guide. Yeah. yeah, I will say it was uh, the adapter was 55 or 60, 59, and then that yeah. was 109. So I'm looking at 170 bucks, 180 bucks just to be able to put the $1,200 motor on my boat. <laughs> so, like, like it's never ending, especially yeah. if somebody works in retail. Like, I'm used to it, but then when I have to do it, I'm annoyed. Yeah. But I understand, like, it's just, it, it sucks. So, having it there, just ready to through hole. And you're right. I mean, most people nowadays, you know, it's, I mean, I cut two one inch holes in my boat last year and i cried a little bit because i thought i was gonna screw it up but i just was like whatever i'll just do it and they did it and it worked so you know you never know well that's that's kind of the same thing with the pass-throughs we, we uh the boat comes with two of the yak attack uh pass-throughs awesome. but you, you know we were debating on like okay let's install these well where does everybody want them and, yeah and it's different for every person i want mine on the left side of my boat and uh 
some people may want them on the right side. So yep. we just throw them in there as a kit. And uh, that's all awesome. said of, of putting it in again, it's a little intimidating. Uh, the instructions are in there from Yak Attack. Um, and you know, I had to drill a one inch hole <laughs> yeah. through yeah. two of them in my, in that, in my boat to put them where I wanted them. But I just, you know, it, it's really nice. Some of the boats that come with them, I, I think it's awesome. And we, that was the original intention uh, was that we would install them. But then it just became like, well, where, like, you know, and how many? And uh, so, yeah, I think it know. gets down to the joy of kayaking. What I always come back and tell people, especially people who are getting into it. You're like, why do you love kayak fishing? I was like, well, Hey, I love fishing. I'm like I'll fish. I'll just go out with a rod and reel and fish for the bank. But kayak fishing joy of is everything's customizable, which can be like mm -hmm. that on big boats. But nine times out of 10, if you get a big bass boat, your rod locker is either on the left, the right, or now in the middle. That's just where it is. If you want to change it, you have to build stuff and it gets out of the way with yeah. kayaks. It's blank. Like you could put some people like to put their pass throughs for uh, XI threes, literally XI three wire pass through. Like it's just right yeah. there. Yeah. And then like me, I did mine. I wanted a little bit more length just so it has a little bit more cable and mine's over to the left. Some people like it over to the right, you know, some, you know, it just depends and you make it your own. So while it's cool, some companies make it to where the pass suits are there, which is awesome. Doing it yourself while, like you said, it can be intimidating cutting a one inch hole in your boat. It makes it more personal. Once it's done, you feel more accomplished. And then especially mm -hmm. when it works, like, because believe me, I've done stuff and it didn't work. And I was like, well, I'm uh, up a river now. Um, but when it works and it works exactly like you want it to, it just makes you overall enjoy it, which will, in my opinion, keep people in the sport of kayak fishing longer. So. No, 100%. It's uh, it's kind of fun. I mean, I'm out there. I would say it's fun. So it's not fun when you're breaking <laughs> bolt heads off like you, you and I both have done today. Um, yes. But... <laughs> But it is kind of fun to kind of figure out where you want things. And after you've done it yeah. for years, you, you learn where you want things and where things should be. And it's easier each time you rig a boat. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. It, but but guys like us that do it have done it for long periods of time. Right. It's just like mm -hmm. you, you get comfortable with something. Then you start thinking, like, I wonder what, what it would be like if I put it there. Mm -hmm. And then you got to go through the whole process again. Yeah. But it's for fun. sure. I, I mean, I don't know that I ever thought I would be rigging both an 1103 and an XI3, 1103 <laughs> Torpedo and a Motor Guide XI3 on the same boat. I don't think I ever really <laughs> thought I would do that. And I don't know that I'm going to use it that way. Yeah. But I just think I have them. I should try it and just see. And I mean, the reason I have them is because I'm lucky enough to work in this industry. And uh, these brands have supported me for a long time. But also, you know, we're kind of showing what this boat's capable of um and so i'm like i'm gonna mount them both on the same boat and then go out and you know kind of test it that way and just turn them turn them both on at the same time <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah i'm, I'm gonna you, wreck dude. is what's gonna happen i'm gonna freak out i'm gonna hit a button the wrong way and spot lock while i'm pushing it i was oh, about to say dude. what's gonna happen is you're gonna be going torquita is gonna be going as fast as you can the xi3 is gonna be going and mock Jesus, the XI3 is going to be going at mock Jesus with heading lock. And uh, just a little uh, while I love the XI3, I think it's awesome. If you go at max speed with heading lock, it sometimes thinks straight is left or right, and it will just take you another direction. So I can just imagine you're just, especially on Gunners or something, you're just cruising around going like eight miles an hour, heading lock, and then boop. And it just like, I mean, you know, yeah. so make sure you tie stuff down. Yeah, uh, I, I imagine I'll probably keep one. I'll keep one up while the other's down. You know, you ought to. One's my outboard and one's my, my trolling motor. Yeah. You, 
You ought to set them going in different directions. See how fast you can go in a circle. (laughs) Shallow water with no gear. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to be be sitting there holding on to the seat like, oh, this is a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) That would be fun. Uh, One thing I kind of wanted to talk about, since especially since this was kind of designed for your offshore guys, your big water guys, that the bait take scupper. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, so that's one of the things I haven't really got to showcase in any of the walkthrough videos yet just because it takes some rigging again and we we um we had prototype or pre-production boats down in panama and we filmed a lot of the video content that you guys see uh and so i haven't really got to build out a bait tank for myself um we used to have uh the boat called the kraken uh, for those of you who've been in the industry for a minute you might remember yep. it it was a jim salmon's signature series boat and jim has been uh one of the, the bigger names in kayak fishing, especially when it comes to offshore fishing um, and kind of help put that uh, on the map as far as getting in front of a lot of people and, and was, uh, you know, worked with a lot of brands way back. And so he had a lot of ideas of, of things to do when it comes to a paddle kayak for, for offshore. And one of the things a lot of us were doing, myself included, was you'd build a bait tank and you'd, you'd essentially come up with a, a pump uh, and you'd throw it over the side of the, of the kayak. And you drag it around all day while it pumped water into your pet food container or whatever you turned into a bait tank. Um, And then, and then the water would fill up and you have an overflow and it would overflow and go back out the other side of the kayak. Um, But you were dragging that pump around. And and if you wanted to to get it in, you had to just kind of pick it up and set it in the back of the boat. One of the nice things about the pump being in the water though, is that you don't have to, it's kind of self priming. You don't have to prime the, the tank or put water in the tank to get the pump to start working because it's got to obviously be in water to suck water. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the idea he had was to, to put one in the hole of the boat, kind of like you have a transducer scupper, basically open up a scupper uh, that you'd be able to, to mount. Uh, I think Tsunami makes the pump, um, but it's a, it's a pump designed to go on the bottom of a boat and be able to, you know, suck water and be flush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we did that on the Kraken and then it just kind of got lost when the, when the Kraken, um, you know, got, uh, discontinued, uh, that feature got lost with us. And I, I don't really know why. I mean, honestly, we should have had it in, in a lot of our, our boats. The Kusa FD definitely should have had it, for mm-hmm. example, because that's one of our boats that people were taking offshore. Uh, so when we talked about this being a big water boat, we're like, we got to have that, uh, bait tank scupper back so that, you know, you can, you can turn your pet food container, Again, you know, you can buy an off-the-shelf bait tank, but a, a lot of these things, we used to always DIY it. Um, they didn't exist, uh, and uh, now there's some some great, great stuff out there, uh, and we're lucky to have it. Um, but kind of open it back up. Hey, you want to buy a bait tank? Buy one. If not, you got a bait tank scupper. Buy you a pump and uh, something that holds water and, <laughs> and some hose yeah. and, and go to town. Uh, and so, you know, I, I want to get – Hopefully this summer, I want to get to spend some time offshore down in Florida or somewhere. And so I've got to rig up mine. I've got a couple of old, we don't make it anymore, unfortunately. Um, but the uh, old uh, Kraken crates that were actually our kind of take on that. And uh, uh, so I've got one or two that I held back. One One's plumbed already and one's not. So only problem is they're not the right colors. So I may have to spray paint or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, that's that's the joy of this company called Rust-Oleum. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to do on plastic, but we'll see. 
Oh, they make a plastic spray paint and it works great. <laughs> I've got a bright orange Kraken crate and a red boat. So <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're close to the same. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Someone's getting here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's it's it's kind of like what those tie downs were. It's just another thing. And what's cool about it is you can make it flush because a lot of guys, like for me, I I still don't especially these newer boats i'm just i'm old school just like how i fish on certain aspects i don't like mounting my transducer to the boat because i'm afraid i'm gonna hit something but yeah. all these you know like the gnar it's 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 flush and you can put that bilge well, it's not a bilge pump but i mean it is a bilge pump. i mean it's it is it's it's pump. yeah yeah, um, yeah. But, so you can but yeah it's put flush with the bottom back. of the boat uh it's not gonna snag anything or grab anything and if you're not using it one of the things we did on the crack and it was just kind of an open so it was a really large kind of open hole in, in, in the mm -hmm. top of the boat. Um, but we put a cover over it in the NAR. So <clears throat> it looks no bigger than a regular scupper. You can't even really see it here in the mm -hmm. uh, in the picture because it's it's hidden by the seat. Uh, on the bottom there, you can see it. It's still just a round um, scupper, yeah. the one that's in the middle of those four there where yep. your mouse is. Um, that's it. Uh, on the top, it's a, it's a bigger hole because it's got to house the pump. But mm -hmm. right now there's a cover over it, a black uh, thermoform cover with four screws. You can take those screws out and then you could, you know, put that bait uh, tank uh, pump in there. Uh, but if you're not using it, it's not like you've got this giant hole uh, or cavity in the boat. Hmm. Interesting. Very cool, that's, man. That's super cool. And then like at the back, it just keeps going to where you have the multi box that you guys have put into it. Yeah, again, yeah, the that's... seat kind of blocks that. Now, you can put that anywhere on the tri-track, and it's also adjustable height-wise. So you can actually, like, raise it up on the tri-track um, on either side of the seat and still get some of your rod storage under it um, or hang it. I've seen some guys hang it on the outside of the boat, um, and it's got the tool, um, you know, places to put tools and whatnot. I've actually taken mine and mounted it. Uh, it was kind of a uh, not planned at all, um, but – one of those things where Yak Attack was developing their new black pack. Uh, and I got one of those almost about the same time that I got my first multi-box. And uh, I think Matt Ball was the first one to figure it out. But the bolt pattern is like perfect for the mounts that we use for the, for the <laughs> huh. multi-box. So you can literally mount that up. And uh, I've got mine hanging on my black pack, which is nice because then when I want to take it in and out of the boat, it's, it's really quick and easy. That's cool. Um, and yeah. uh, but, but that box, again, it, it's got a lid. Um, and, uh, you can actually remove the lid if you want to just use it for a couple 3,700 tackle boxes, but I use it as a catch-all. Like when I'm taking baits off throughout the day, I can just open it and throw my, my baits in there and, and not have to, cause I don't like putting them back in the waterproof boxes while they're still wet mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah. So it gives them a chance to dry out. Uh, the box actually has some drain holes in the bottom, uh, but I keep my pliers in there. I keep, you know, O-ring tool and, um, just random my car keys just random yeah. stuff that uh, <laughs> used to end up in the, either the bottom of the kayak in a scupper hole or in the bottom of my backpack and i would find you know <laughs> six months later with rusted hooks or whatever so it's yeah been there done that it's a it's a cool little feature <laughs> yeah me too oh, one yeah. of the things you can't see is under the tri-track in the back there's actually cutouts uh, between the tri-track and the hole in a couple of places so you can run webbing um, like one inch cam straps or even bungee um, so you can secure whatever you throw back there without mm -hmm. um, you know having to mount something to the track you can go under the track and okay the track open so 
you mentioned the black pack and stuff. If it, I'm guessing it fits both ways in the rear tank. Well, does the yak gadget? It does. I've got back there both the 16 by 16 and the 16 by 13 at my house, and okay. I tried them every way you can configure them, and they fit. Awesome. Um, so, what I've about actually, other crates? So we tried the Yak Gadget one. Um, we made sure we had one of those. We didn't actually know the Black Pack was coming when we designed it, so we kind of <laughs> got lucky there. But um, at the time, the Yak Gadget crate was one of the bigger ones on the market. Um, so we actually kind of made sure it would fit, knowing that if it did, the Black Pack would. Um, and then when the new Black Pack came out, I was like, oh, hope it fits somehow. <laughs> yeah. And, like, because I had the 13 uh, by 16, they, they sent me one of those to test uh, and for the show. And it had 3D printed parts on it, but I'm like, okay, the other one's going to be 16 by 16. So I mounted the rods on both sides and measured it that way. And it, it still fits every way you can think. Hmm. Um, so that worked out really well um, for sure. But I've got the 16 by 16 in the back, plus the box still mounted to it uh, that, and four rod holders. So that has to be one of the most like asked questions with people like uh, rear wells and crates like will this crate fit back there i'm like yeah no. we tried and it's the same thing with transducers uh we made i don't want to say a mistake but back when we partnered with ray marine on on some of our boats yeah. like the big rig and we built our transducer scupper kind of around their transducer um which still allowed you to put a lot of the smaller transducers but transducers change so quick and there's so many different sizes uh so <laughs> we actually 3D printed a whole lot of uh, the more common transducers on the market and then tried to go with like the biggest one and make sure that if the biggest one would fit, the rest of them should fall into suit. So kind of mm -hmm. did the same thing with the, with the tank. Well, was like, you know, well, let's just look at the biggest crate we can find that that's out there. Uh, and if it'll fit, then everything else should fall in, fall in line. And, and um, you know, but we still, that was the other thing too, is we still wanted to have, uh, in hole access and storage mm -hmm. in the back. And I've always been a big fan of having front and rear hatches, whether it's just yeah. for rigging or being able to, um, you know, take a bunch of gear. If you're going, I, I'd love to do overnight trips. And if you put all your weight in the bow of the boat and you start to, you know, lose performance. So being yeah. able to really weight the boat properly. Um, so it looks like you're like, Oh, that tank well doesn't look that big. It's a very big tank. Well, so, yeah. um, and you still have in a very large hatch actually to, to access mm -hmm. in the stern. Very cool, man. Oh yeah. What? It's a cool boat. I mean, right when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, that's real nice and sleek, clean. I like yeah. it. So, uh, did we miss anything that we wanted to cover on it? I'll, I'll touch real quick on just the uh, couple real quick things that again mm -hmm. are not that noticeable right off the bat without watching the full bone walkthrough video. But, um, Again, with the weight distribution, that back tank, that back hatch, uh, we specifically fitted to, to make sure that you could put a, a 27 group battery um, inside the hull of the boat. So, like, if you want to rig, like mine, I've got a 100 amp hour Dakota lithium uh, running my XI3. I can put that weight in the back of the boat with the XI3 on the bow, and that really allows me to get the boat back level. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not you know, pushing water in the nose or having too much weight mm -hmm. on the stern. Um, and so that was a big one is being able to literally open that hatch lid. You, you can set it down in there and you close the hatch lid. That battery's not going anywhere. It's like snug fit uh, on a 20 up to a 27 group battery. Um, and then obviously you got the power pole and geometry and stuff like that. But that, that was another big one. 
it's completely redesigned steering. So we used to have the fiberglass rods and we still do on most of our FDs, but this boat, we went to that Spectra um, uh, cable type mm -hmm. steering, which just allowed us to get more throw in the, uh, in the rudder and really dial in and make it more intuitive. Um, but yeah, it, a lot of little things like that, that just uh, seem little, but <laughs> that steering was a, it was a lot of parts and a lot of thought that went into to developing mm -hmm. that and uh, stuff like that. So very cool, man. Well, oh, Matt, yeah. you got anything else, dude? No, I mean, I, I think you guys hit a home run with this. It's, it's, like Brad said, it's a sleek boat. It looks good, which is always half the battle with anything. If if a boat performs great but looks terrible, obviously it's not going to be a hit. It looks good. The redesigned drive, I mean, you hit the things that a lot of tournament anglers and fishermen alike are looking for to where it's easier, to, it's faster to get to your spot. You're not tired when you get there. It's quiet, um, which is awesome, especially for pressured water. And, and durability, that was a big one, and, just making sure and, it's going to yeah. hold up. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'll be honest, like we, we struggled with that. We got a lot better. We made improvements over the old, on the old drive, but, uh, you know, first year out of the gate, we struggled with it and, and it was just being consistent, I think was the biggest problem and we got better, but now we've really took a lot of that out of the equation and we've just, you know, made it like kind of dummy proof in, in a lot of, a lot of ways. Um, but every day, and we, we talked about this before we got started, we, we've had meeting after meeting about how we could do better. Um, on, on even this boat, like what, what did we do launching this boat that like, why did it take as long as it took to get it to market? What, you know, in the development process with all these things, how do we streamline that? How do we make it better quality? And, and what can we do even now to improve on the platform that we have um, in the future? And uh, we've got a lot of good reviews from consumers that have bought them. And we're literally watching all those and writing down any negative thing that, that anyone's had to say is no boat's perfect. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and even if, uh, one person's negative might be another person's positive, but you know, anything that we hear that we're like, okay, let's go take a look at this. Is this, is this legit? Is this something we could, you know, improve on or even, um, you know, change or something for the future. And so it's, a uh, it's really cool to, to be a part of that. Um, knowing that, that we care enough as a, as a team and as a company to, to want to make the best kayak that we can possibly make. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's some of the things you've gone into adding a lot of the little stuff that people might just overlook, but they're there like the tie downs, the, the bait scupper, the multi-box, like stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, like you said, with the drive dummy proof in it, I think that's a big thing. A lot of people get into pedal drives and they have to worry about greasing it or cleaning it and all the extra stuff. But having that fully encased, it takes, like you said, half of the problem out of the equation completely. Exactly. Just because mm -hmm. you can just use it and not worry about over greasing, under greasing, screwing it up, yeah, breaking nice. it, things like that. Yeah. That's Losing nice. the screw that you take out to put the grease in, which I've done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like lo losing the 10 millimeter socket in your set. Yeah. <laughs> I found one today that I lost. <laughs> That's funny. I don't, I don't even, I feel like, I mean, I, I used it today, but I don't use that one that much. How come that's always the one that like, I feel like I use a half inch socket more than any other socket. Yeah. I, I, this socket is used for everything. Every bolt I seem to find like on my truck or anything. Oh, truck, I need to take it, out yeah. this. I need to take this out. Oh, it's a 10 mil. You know where my 10 mil is? I don't. I no don't one knows do. where the 10 mil is. Yeah. So like I, every time I go to like Lowe's or something, I'll buy 
like two or three 10 mil sockets individuals. (laughs) Yeah. And I just have them and I have them in a Ziploc baggie. Like I brought, there's another one sitting right over there. I'm looking at it because I couldn't find this one that stays down here with all my (laughs) other stuff. I do the same thing with chartreuse and white chatterbaits. Yeah. I've got, I've got plenty of black and I never run out of black and blue. I never run out of like any of them, but the chartreuse and white just seems to get depleted. I don't know if I'm, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I guess I throw it more, but uh, well, like probably I'll buy I mean, three times as many chartreuse and white chatterbaits as I do any other. I've got like that's nine funny. of them, man. I know exactly what you're doing uh, because I do it. I do the same thing with fire crawl because I throw fire crawl so much. I have yeah, like I've never thrown fire. it, but I, I've seen it work. I've seen it work. It. I've been with it's people great. that wear me out. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Everybody knows Matt as the tackle like hoarder, so he knows <laughs> – he knows everything that's going on with that. I have like again the chartreuse and white. Like I have a chatterbait tied on right now that is uh, green pumpkin and chartreuse that's that I have problem. literally had on. I bet I have had that bait. I've retied it a couple times, but I've got the same trailer on that bait for over a year now. Like I have not changed the the diesel minnow. It's a five inch diesel minnow. Oh yeah, and I've yeah. caught bull reds. I've caught black drum. I've caught my dad caught his first 40 inch bull red on that bait. And I mean, I, it like it's, it's, it looks beat up, right? Yeah. But yeah. I can't lose that one. I put a chartreuse and white on it's gone like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I understand. Totally... Yep. Yep. Believe me, there's this whole turnstile is just full of baits. And <laughs> some of these I'll tie on and I'll just, I'll never, it'll never get ripped or anything. But the second, like for instance, the second I try on a big Joshy, I don't have to catch fish on it. It will find the one rock. It will catch yeah. on it, and then I'll break it off along with the Jigmaster sled head. And you know and when then, you're tying it on, you're like, I'm definitely going to lose this. And yeah. I say it. I literally, me and Brad went out Sunday, and I was <laughs> throwing a Joshi, and I was like, I bet I, I I threw it first cast. I was like, and it got hung up for a second. And I was like, I, I, was like, I told you, first cast is going to get hung up. And luckily, I bowstringed it, and it popped off. And guess what happened yeah. eight casts later? Guess what? It got hung up on a piece of grass. <laughs> Someone told me – uh what was it they said something about being you know doing this for a living or whatever fishing i get to fish a lot and uh they were like i can't believe you got caught in that tree and i'm like i make hundreds and hundreds of casts every day yeah yeah i'm gonna get caught in trees just as much as anyone else it's whether or not i can get it out of that tree when i get it caught is what tells you whether or not i've been doing this for a long time yeah because i'm gonna throw a bird's nest and i'm gonna get hung in a tree or on a rock if i can get that bird's nest out pretty quick and get my bait back then you can tell that I've done it for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm about to say, I can take you to a spot that I always catch a smallie on, but I promise in the five casts it ca- takes me to catch that smallie, I will get my Ned Rig stuck on the same rock or in the same crevice because there's two rocks and it'll get stuck there. And I have to sit there and bowstring it. And I've there's I probably have, if I went there, if we had a drought and it was like half a foot deep, I could walk there, scoop my hand and get like, 30 Ned rigs and just put them in my boat. <laughs> like they're just all there, but there's always a smallmouth yeah. there. So, like, you know, it is what it That's is. That's how you know it's a good spot, though. It is. Well, yeah. I mean, half of my Ned rig, half of my terminal tackle live there. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jameson, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, you got anything else you want to add? No, I would just say, you know, give give it a chance. Get out, try the try the NAR, try the new Mark Four drive. Uh, you know, I'm a big like again, find the right boat for you. You know, it may not be one of our boats. Hopefully it is. Um, but try it, uh, and, uh, see what you think for yourself. I'm excited to hear everyone's opinion on it. Um, 
you know, I've watched every review that anyone that's got out there and tested it. So, and I've, I'm even taking the boat, you know, to people, uh, I'm going to Florida next week with the boat, uh, to let some people review it. So I'm all about hearing feedback on it. And, um, yeah, I think we did a really good job. I'm really proud of our team. So I just wanted to say thanks to them, uh, both R and D internally and our, our fishing team who really put their heads together and, um, it shows, you know, so. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to try one. I hope we get one in our shop eventually. So yeah, they're, they're getting, they're going out the door as fast as we can build them. So I believe it. It's like anything else out there. It's crazy times. Yeah. All right, man, Matt, got anything else? Not a thing. This was awesome. Jameson. I appreciate it. Everyone go over to Instagram, give them a follow, follow Jackson kayak, stay up to date. I'm excited. Uh, to see what you guys are working on, especially since you're already starting to redesign and rethink some things on the NAR to make it better, which is awesome. Yeah, there's, there's definitely – it's going to be a fun couple of years. I'll put it that way. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. And, uh, Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. All right, guys. Oh, thanks good. for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you guys next week, and you guys have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website, paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures your midwest premier paddle sports destination go to rocktownadventures.com eastport marina the beautiful destination on dale hollow lake if you're looking for lodging kayaks kayak accessories or anything fishing related on the beautiful dale hollow lake go to eastport.info and jig masters jigs when in doubt get the jig out go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today